It's Wednesday Wonders, science fiction and fantasy on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. Welcome to Chronosphere Fiction, a podcast of journeys through space and time. I'm your host, Daniel French. In this, our first episode, we take you into the realms of swords and sorcery with Chapter 1 of Gafgarn the Eternally Unfurnished, written by Jeremiah Sundance French, narrated by Mike Bethel, sound effects and music by yours truly. Hold on to your seats. Lay back and travel. Gafgon, the Eternally Unfurnished, Episode 1. Gafgarn always hated dust. Not dirt, really, or mud. That kind of dry, annoying dust that wafts up from underfoot when trudging down a lone highway. Like the lone highway he was currently drudging that night. The dust always got in his nose and eyes, as it did now. And he hated it. It smelled awful. He loved mud. It was cooling, comforting, especially in the heat of battle. Soil had a lovely earthy smell and was a great companion to bashing skulls in. Even sand was nice, hugging his feet while he strangled a dervish or a soldier or, well, anything, really. Gafgarn thought he could remember strangling a camel once, but he wasn't sure. The dust was annoying. Even in the cool night air, he couldn't stand it. And on either side of him lay a vast, thick forest of low, prickly trees. So walking on the side of the road was out of the question. Therefore, he begrudgingly trudged like a grumpy bull elephant who wished he could forget. Gafgarn was large, certainly larger than most. He was a mammoth of a man, typically a head taller than any other he'd ever kept company with, or killed. He walked down the road silent, but for his heavy footsteps and deep breathing. He breathed deeply to keep himself calm. His feet were heavy due to large, impressive boots he wore. In fact, they stood out among his other belongings. A ragged, tattered wolf fur cape hung from his shoulders, its gnarled hood covering his enormous head. It looked worn away from years of use and old bloodstains had soaked permanently into some patches of fur. A long leather-bound haft jutted over his right shoulder from under the cape, seemingly attached to some form of weapon. He wore an even worse-looking brown leather jerkin over a black cotton, long-sleeved shirt. The sleeves of the shirt were frayed at the wrist, and the elbows had small holes all about them. His black pants fared no better. The right leg with a large torn hole over a scarred and gnarled knee. Rough knuckles rose from contemptible fingerless gloves. He was unremarkable, aside from his size and his boots. 
They were, by far, the most magnificent and useful boots he'd ever seen. More than most had seen, in fact. On this crude visage, they demanded the eye's devotion. A silver-white metal protected the toes, heel, ankle, and bottom and top of the foot with odd black and red designs inscribed into them like tendrils or vines. Only Gafgar knew they were actually from an ancient language, a cipher of some sort. He didn't know much about it. Only what the effects of the inscriptions on the boots did. Even in the clouds of dust that rose from Gafgarn's heavy steps, the sublime boots appeared spotless and pristine. The insides had been laboriously padded. No toe was ever bruised from smashing, which was a favorite pastime of the giant. Nails bent under the soles, which was great. The sharp objects in his feet seemed to annoy Gafgarn more than dust did. All manner of weapons recoiled from striking the boots, and he had grown to love this fact and became quite adept at blocking attacks with his feet. Usually he just punched people or squished them. Thinking of squishing people made Gafgarn hungry, so he was happy to see the light of a large inn just around a bend in the road. He could hear the ruckus of happy drinking, flirting, and fighting as his spirits lifted. He stood in front of the inn for a moment, taking in the smell of meat pies, ale, and sweat, and was taken back to his encampment with his men, drinking alongside them, pinching the wealthy buttocks of a passing wench, and occasionally brawling, usually over-pinching the wealthy buttocks of a fellow man's wife. Gafgar never understood marriage. He pushed the happy memory aside, pulled his hood down slightly, and entered the tavern. Everything stopped when Gafgarn stepped in. Every word cut off, every mouth halted mid-chew, every pull from a tankard frozen, and every eye on the giant. Then those eyes rested on his boots. They widened, and Gafgarn could see some mouths salivate. The large inn was full of dirty-looking men, all with red bandanas on. One skinny man in a blue suit with black pinstripes sat in the corner with piles of books, barely taking notice of the new occupant. His dark blue eyes moved quickly behind small spectacles, and his grand, bristly mustache twitched as he mouthed words in a hectic speed. Several waitresses nervously continued about their business. Gafgarn simply gazed back from under his hood and clomped to the bar pushing aside a stool to stand in front of the barkeep. Can, can I help you? The thin man said in a weak voice as he looked up. Gafgarn placed several copper coins on the table and muttered, Ale and food. In the low, grumbly voice, one would expect to come from a pit of crocodiles in need of root canals. The barkeep didn't bother counting the coins, but quickly filled a tankard for the giant grabbing a meat pie and bringing them over. Gafgarn ate the sample-sized pie in three gargantuan bites and then slowly enjoyed his ale, standing the entire time. The bartender suggested he take a seat, but Gafgarn simply ignored the tiny man. As the giant enjoyed his ale, gazing into it between gulps, 
a group of four ragtag men shuffled up behind him with knives and swords drawn. Hearing them unsheath their weapons, Gafgarn turned around, taking a deep pull from his tankard. As one attempted to speak threateningly, a large, dirty man still resting a healthy head under the behemoth, Gafgarn raised an imposing palm up to stop the man mid-sentence. He took one last, long, deep pull of ale, finished off the tankard. His head moved far back, making his hood fall off as he looked down at the men. Gafgarn's face was gruff and dark, with a bulbous nose, squared face, and large, expressive brow. He had a beard of stubble, with hair of equal length on his head. It looked as if he had shaved his entire head sometime in the prior week. Scars decorated his features, cutting down his chin, along a cheek, across thick lips, and through an eyebrow. Bored, dark brown eyes browsed the faces of the awestruck men standing before him. His head rested resolutely on a neck thicker than the typical man's thigh. Veins popped along his muscles like the roots of a tree from a solid stone. He rested the empty tankard on the counter and stood looking at the men. The large, scraggly one with the empty threat continued. Your shoes, mate. They're shiny and look like they'd fetch a nice price. And Gafgarn responded indifferently in his deep and partial voice. The man smelled of dust. The men exchanged confused looks. Then, the smallest of the four stood on his toes and prodded Gafgarn's chest with the tip of a dagger. Oi! Are you daft or somewhat? We'd like to fetch that price, see? Hand him over, easy like, and we'll leave you to your drinking. Gafgarn swiftly struck out, smashing the man's face with a fist as large as his head. The dagger spun in the air in front of Gafgarn's chest as the man hit the floor, unconscious with a broken nose. As the dagger stuck in the floor, the larger man reached to punch Gafgarn in the jaw. He was knocked out cold by a quick elbow to the chin. Oh. The third man swiped down at Gafgarn's knee with his sword. But Gafgarn was again far quicker. He brought up a boot to deflect the weapon. Simultaneously, grabbing the back of the man's head and thrusting it into his rising knee. The man slumped to the floor, holding his face and making odd choking noises. Gafgarn looked to the fourth, who backpedaled on buckling knees. The man placed his fingers in his mouth, letting loose a piercing whistle. Everyone except for the suited academic stood up where they sat, readying clubs, maces, swords, and daggers. You really are daft, Lummox, the fourth man said, smiling. This is Smidgen's posse, oi. You're gonna have to answer for that one, mate. Is that really his name? Smidgen? Gafgarn responded, raising a huge eyebrow. The man laughed. Oi, he runs this here highway, and he'd like them boots. Now we'll be taking them off your corpse. Gafgarn stood by the bar, unflinching, as the group of men began walking slowly forward, brandishing their weapons and crooked smiles. In the corner of his eye, he saw the well-dressed man stand up. The man grabbed the heavy book he was reading, closed it, 
and walked nonchalantly around his table to the nearest hoodlum, who, so focused on Gafgarn, hadn't noticed the skinny man's movement. He stood behind the hoodlum, feeling the covers of the heavy book for a moment and smiling innocently. Then, abruptly, his eyes and smile widened into something Gafgarn could only think of as astonishingly psychotic as he slammed the heavy book across the backside of the hoodlum's head. The man fell unconscious to the floor as the well-dressed man then tossed the book with all of his strength at the nearest bandit. The book slammed into the target's nose just as he turned towards the well-dressed man. Several other men twisted around in surprise. There were 10 men between Gafgarn and the well-dressed man now. And what happened next did so very quickly and very brutally. Three men lunged at Gafgarn, who lifted a stool with one hand and smashed it against two of the men, launching them. The third man tackled Gafgarn at the waist, pushing him back into the bar. He attempted to catch himself with his arm, but it slid across the counter strangely, as if the surface had been covered in a slippery soap. The giant toppled awkwardly to the floor as the third man's axe blade bit into the bar top. From the floor, Gafgarn kicked out at the man's knee and smiled in satisfaction at the pop as the kneecap knocked out of place. And the man squealed in pain. A fourth rushed over, swinging a club at Gafgarn's face. He blocked it with one boot and used the other to break the man's ankle. The man screamed as he hit the floor. It was cut short by an elbow to the back of the head. Gafgarn vaulted up onto his feet just as a fist hit him square in the eye. He recoiled, falling into a chair, which inexplicably slid out from under him. As he dropped onto the floor, he reached back to grab the chair by its back wrist, swinging it at the fifth attacker. The chair showered the arena in splinters and pieces, and the man fell to the floor unconscious. At the same time, the well-dressed man raised his arms up, pointing loose fists at his group of bandits. With a squeeze of his fingers, he launched bolts out from his sleeves, shooting two men in the head. As they slumped to the ground lifeless, three other men rushed with weapons brandished, two more finger twitches, and bolts stuck into two more heads. The last man rushed the well-dressed man with a knife, stabbing down at his neck. The well-dressed man was quick. In one fluid movement, he stepped forward under the knife, reaching out and snapping the man's wrist with one hand and slamming his other palm into the man's stomach. As he did this, a blade shot out from his sleeve with a soft mechanic noise, cutting into the bandit. The well-dressed man smiled once more as he slowly stepped back, releasing the bandit. He watched the man slouch down in pain and then stood silently, watching as he gathered a black handkerchief from under his jacket and used it to clean his blade. Gafgarn had stood up at this point, looking around at the bandits, the one with the pop kneecap was still squirming and whining. Gafgarn kneeled over him and asked, Where is Smidgen? The man just whimpered and held his knee. Tell me where he is, Gafgarn demanded. I can't tell you! Uh, the injured man responded. He'll uh, kill me! You messed up my knee! Gafgarn grunted. These boots... Mess up a lot of things. Tell me where your boss is, or I'll show you more they can do. Gafgarn stood, 
and tapped his toes on the floor. He was never a very patient man. The man spoke between pained gasps. Ah, no! Please don't! No more! Further down the road, there's a small trail. Ah, oh, it's real easy to miss. Take that for about a day. Look for a knoll out in the forest. We got a camp out there. Ah, oh, he's there. Ah, oh, man, this really hurts. Good boy, Gafgarn smirked, serving a quick punch to knock the man unconscious. He turned to the well-dressed man, who had begun to walk over. He talked in an eloquent, relaxed, and friendly voice that lubricated the ears like a silky aural molasses, though it flowed like a torrent. Well, old boy, it seems these miscreants lacked a certain kind of wisdom sorely needed for survival. How they thought to best you, I'm quite uncertain. Though the why is very clear. The suit's eyes gazed down at the boots. Gafgarn simply snorted, turned about, and ordered another drink. The suit persisted, unruffled, walking over to the bar and sitting on a stool next to the giant. I do believe I've misplaced my manners. I am Dr. Withersmod Goldstein III. But you, my good sir, may call me Wither. Or Goldstein. I haven't quite decided yet. At this point, Gafgarn was standing with a tankard up to his lips again, facing Wither, looking bored. Wither continued, his smile present even through his eloquent, rapid speech. And you, old boy, in whose shadow do I have the pleasure of being bathed? Hmm? Gafgarn finished his pull and looked down at Wither, responding curiously. I see small arrows in the man you killed, but no weapon. Wither chuckled, amused and pleased by the question. Ha, 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 old boy, what an astute inquiry. I'm sorry to say I must correct you. Those are bolts, not arrows. Typically used in crossbows, you see. One of my beloved inventions, available only up north. Not utilized this far south very often. So it comes as no surprise your observation would prove inaccurate. You wouldn't recognize it anyhow, being that my weapons are concealed. At this, Wither pulled down a sleeve to show something Gafgarn had never seen before. There was a contraption like a small gauntlet of leather with metal bracings around the wrists and rectangular metal chambers on top and underside of the arm. Both chambers had a hole facing outwards towards the hand. The top chambers were large enough for the small bolts to fit through, and the bottom chambers were long and thin, cut for a blade to slide through. Two rings of metal were worn on the middle and ring finger, with a wiry cable running from each into the chambers. Wither continued, pointing at the chambers and speaking proudly and quickly. I have two small crossbows housed in the upper chamber, and a spring-loaded blade in the lower, you see? The cables attached to these two rings have been precisely measured, so that a mere flick of a finger may set them off. It's quite simple, really. Don't you agree, old boy? Gafgarn had stood perfectly still during the explanation. He raised an eyebrow and took another pull off his tankard and responded gruffly. I prefer squishing my enemies. <laughs> yes, I so see, Wither acknowledged, looking around the room behind him. 
He allowed enough silence for a groan or two to reach his ears, <sighs> smiled at them, and continued. I find your demeanor very interesting, old boy. Your impressive boots belay your humble yet gargantuan appearance. And you seem to forego the use of a stool. Why, I think I saw you slip clear off the boar top. Sweaty palms, perhaps. And did that chair move on its own accord? Gafkarn could see where this conversation was heading, and it annoyed him. He grunted and looked down at the skinny man with a look that could burn a hole through stone. A sensitive subject, then, the weary man smiled, pulling at his mustache. But I remain curious, nonetheless. Perhaps I can risk an educated guess. If one were to believe in magic, I choose cautious skepticism. One could say that your effect or lack of effect on furniture is mystical in nature. One could go further and presume that you are cursed. Uncomfortably. At this, Wither chuckled to himself, smiled mechanically, and continued. Now, look at your attire. Only your footwear seems to stand out as previously foreign to your decorum. One could then leap to say, as I am, that your strange affliction is tied to your stunning shoes. Wither smiled vangloriously at Kafgarn, brimming in the knowledge that he knew he was right. Kafgarn would usually smash someone with an attitude like Wither's by now, but there was something about the man he liked. Maybe it was the pleasure the man had taken in the killing of bandits, or the blue striped suit he wore. Maybe Kafgarn was curious as well. The stranger was an enigma, cruelly smart, seemingly psychotic. Obviously narcissistic, but somehow he felt harmless at the same time. Gafgarn had never met anyone who could be all those things at once. He looked at Wither now with more interest than annoyance. This was rare for Gafgarn, extremely rare. Wither responded to the change in Gafgarn's features. It seems that now you've grown curious like me, no longer annoyed. To this, Gafgarn responded straight-faced as he leaned down into Wither's face. I am always annoyed. He then stood straight up again and asked, an eyebrow crocked, raised to the heavens. Why did you attack these fools? Wither brimmed. Yes, yes, indeed. Surely you didn't need my help. But you see, I've been seeking this smidgen fellow for quite some time. And... Disposing of his men has become somewhat of a pleasant pastime for me. The Bandit King, some call him that, you see, stole something very important to me, and I want it back. So, the inventor becomes the assassin, the hunter, and I grow close to my prey. And you, my nameless colossus, are going to help me. Gafgarn beheld a grin on Wither's face that simply begged to be smacked off the face of the earth. It was the type of grin that gained the ire of angels and demons alike and blinded most mortals. It was as evil as it was gorgeous and as full of ego as it was charity. Gafgarn leaned in once more, practically hunched over as he brought his darkened face threateningly close to Withers and asked, Was that a command? I may be mistaken, but I swear... I just heard you demand something of me. Wither barely moved at all, his smile remaining, shining and bright. Oh, yes, a barbarian emperor typically doesn't take orders. 
but instead gives them. Isn't that right, old boy? Gafgarn stood bristled and clenched his fist, giving Wither a stern look of dismay. Before you commence smashing, old boy, hear me out, Wither suggested innocently, lighting an elegant mahogany pipe so large that it almost seemed comical, bending back on itself like a swan's neck. I would wager, correctly if I might add, that you used to lead legions. These men would find that ridiculous, preposterous. But I know better, old boy. The seemingly simple wolf hair cape upon your shoulders is traditionally worn by high-ranking warriors from the tribes in the East, which I know were united under one banner in the last 15 years. Quite astonishingly, really as they were often more interested in scrapping with one another over poultry forests than banding together to hunt real game. You would agree, old boy, as you are the man who led the campaign to unite your people. I know, because I've heard the chatter in the kingdoms near your borders. You know, they're quite afraid of you, don't you, old boy? Some fear you might want to reclaim the lands that were stolen from your people generations ago. What do you think? Gafgarn the Indomitable? Or was it impregnable or obstinate? <clears throat> Pertinacious, Gafgarn growled. Wither laughed and slapped his knee in amusement. Ha, 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 old boy. I knew a leader of his people could know more words than I like smash. Those royals assume you to be simple-minded, laughable, insolent brute. But I've always known better. I like you, old boy. Though I suppose you'd be unfurnished these days. <laughs> How can a boy be old? Gafgarn interrupted. Wither continued as if Gafgarn had said nothing. It is so unfortunate to find you wandering aimlessly, as I know you are, a lost emperor, a leader of nothing. How can you be a leader if you can't even sit on your people's throne? Get on with it, Sia! Please, I'm an academic, an engineer, an inventor, a performer in the pantomime of physics, a dealer in deathly devices. I, old boy, am a doctor. Not some dusty, cobwebbed, psychophantic tree climber. I, old boy, am a student of the world. Wither had gotten red-faced, eyes bulging through the smoke of his pipe, and was standing on his toes with upraised fists. He slowly sat back down on his stool, eyes locked on Gafgarn's, holding his pipe lovingly and puffing all the while. Then he smiled brightly. Now, here is why I'm so certain of your assistance, old boy. I will guarantee you your throne, as well as the ability to recline upon it once more, should you assist me in my endeavor, which, old boy, you of course will. You are out of your league and mind. The latter debatable. But let me ask you this, old boy. Why do you keep saying that? Gafgarn interrupted, annoyed. Have you had a scientist take a look at your forced orthopedic Tennessee? My what? I've never met a scientist before. Then how do you know I can't help you? Gafgarn grunted his version of a chuckle and leaned in again, half smiling. Doc? he said sarcastically. Do you know why I have these? Wither looked up at the ceiling innocently and said, Not the faintest idea, old boy, but I can risk another hypothesis. 
They certainly didn't belong to you. And you didn't come to own them on good terms. There was a moment of tense silence. Gafgarn picked over the odd man as he thought about the proposition. Wither was right about everything, but he also seemed unhinged and untrustworthy. He looked to be useful. Gafgarn would give him that. He was quick and deadly and smart, but not so much that Gafgarn couldn't take him out should he back out on the deal. Most of all, Gafgarn knew he needed help. He was aimless, and worse, he yearned to return to his people. They understood strength in a way that even the doctor could not. He predicted the doctor also knew nothing about revealing the curse, but he had nothing to lose anyway. Okay, Doc. I'll help. Wither jumped up excitingly, yelling, Huzzah, old boy! Together, this should be quite an easy task. We can ride out immediately and take them out under the cover of night. But I can't take on any army of bandits on my own. Give yourself more credit, old boy. Besides, he doesn't have an army. It's just a posse. Didn't you hear the squirming gentleman with the reverse kneecap? You said he was a bandit king. Oh, just a silly moniker these ruffians prefer. You know, sheep in the herd, old boy. Are you sure? Gafgarn felt annoyed again, which was usual. Indubitably, old boy. You haven't a thing to worry about. Wither slapped Gafgarn on the shoulder. Or rather, he attempted to, and ended up jovially smacking his hulking arm instead. Then he continued, as he raced around his table, collecting his books into several satchels. Well, take my carriage out to the knoll. We should reach it quickly enough, and I'll give you all the details on the way. Come, old boy, our dear smidgen awaits. We'll make him but a smudge on the earth. Ha-ha! Smidgen the smudge indeed! Gafgarn followed Wither out the back of the tavern. He spotted the bartender huddling in a corner behind the bar, who tremorously thanked Gafgarn for his business. A horse and an odd-looking carriage sat in the back, tethered to a pole, the horse gingerly drinking from a trough. Wither rushed to jam his satchels into the carriage, which was piled high with large bags and boxes, inside and on the roof. After shutting and latching the door, he raised himself onto the front seat and grabbed the reins as he puffed his heavy pipe. Would you untie Percy for me, old boy? Then take a seat here and we're off. Gafgarn untied the horse from the pole, petting it on the face as he did so. Percy, he said to the horse, in a gruff but somehow soft half-chuckle. Then he tromped over to the carriage's driver bench and lifted himself up. The carriage tilted awkwardly to one side and then leaned forward as Gafgarn climbed over the bench to sit on the roof. Wither scooted outward to prevent himself from sliding off. He snapped the reins, and Percy, struggling at first, pulled the carriage through the small driveway back onto the main highway. Wither smiled mechanically into the night, the light from his pipe beaming on his excited face while puffs of smoke rose into the cool air. Gafgarn laid on his back into a pile of boxes and bags in an attempt to relax. He stared into the night sky, taking in the bright stars, secretly excited to squish someone with such a stupid name.
And so ends chapter one of Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished, written by Jeremiah Sundance French, narrated by Mike Bethel, sound effects, music, and host, Daniel French. See you next time on Chronosphere Fiction when we do chapter two of Gafgar and the Eternally Unfurnished in about a week. As episodes go on, we will have other stories as well. Keep your cosmos clean. Do not adjust your sets. You're tuned to Wednesday Wonders on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow on Mutual is Thursday Thrillers, our roundup of action, adventure, mystery, crime drama, and thrillers, of course. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of diverse audio tales. Or find the Thursday Thrillers feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.